We're in a series in 2 Thessalonians, and we want to continue that series this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're looking at verses 13 through 17. Before we even read the, the text, I just want to remind you that we've been in kind of a pretty heavy bunch of verses here. And the, the nature of the church at Thessalonica was that it was a pretty new church, and some false teachers had arisen in the church, and they were starting to tell everybody and show up and, and teach them that, well, the day of the Lord is already here. And so we're in the end times. Uh, they may have been teaching them things like there, there either is no resurrection or you missed, you missed going to be with the Lord, and so you're kind of stuck, and there's trouble. And, and so Paul has been really careful about teaching the Thessalonians when, false, when people come in and, and, and expect or claim that they have got the end days, the last times, the day of the Lord, all figured out, make sure that you don't just listen to them and, and take it at face value. Come back to the scriptures. And Paul has been saying, well, now these are the true marks of the end days, the last, the last days. And, and that's what we've been studying like bef- the last couple weeks. You know, in the last days, there's going to be a, uh, an apostasy. And that's just a word that means that people who look like they're in the faith, they look like they're true believers, true Christians, they're going to turn away. They're going to they're go the other way when uh, suffering and affliction comes. So that's one mark of the last days. Another mark of the last days is, is what he calls in this passage this man of lawlessness. And that's the Antichrist. And uh, that's a guy who's going to, or a person who's going to rule in the world and have unique power in the world for a brief time. And so Paul is in essence saying, well, you, you haven't seen that, have you? Uh, where this guy comes and has worldwide influence. And he's in essence telling them, relax. Calm down a little bit. You haven't missed something. You haven't been left behind. Let's look at what the scriptures really say so that we can set our hearts on what is, what is true and right. And so that's where we are today. These verses that we're looking at, verses 13 through 17, say to you and to me that the, the directive or the command here is that we need to stand strong in these days, when there's all these people running around out there telling us that the sky is falling, telling us that it's the end, telling us that we should get a bunker and a lot of beans and we should go underground. Literally, the church at Thessalonica had had this situation where there were people who stopped working. They quit their jobs because they thought, well, the end is here, the end is here. And they basically hoped that wealthy believers would fund their, their, you know, unemployment. And so Paul is like, wait a second, let's think about this. Continue on. We, we need to stand firm in what the scriptures tell us, not what we learn in Christian fiction books like Left Behind. Fine if you read that. Uh, Christian fiction books like The Harbinger, if you read that and it informed you somehow, there's nothing wrong with reading those books, but they're not authoritative Don't let them mess with you. Don't let them cause you to lose your equilibrium. And this whole passage that we're going to look at this morning just says from Paul to you, stand firm, stand firm. So that's what we're going to take a look at. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Let's read this together. 
But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through, through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So let's pray before we jump in. Lord, we're going to need help. Because uh, in my flesh, I'll mess this up. And each of us, as we listen to it, if we just listen to it with like ears that would just be like about our, ourselves, our life, our flesh, we'll mess it up even in hearing it. So we need your spirit to come and teach us what the word says, teach us who Jesus is, teach us who you are, so that we will not be messed up by what's going on around us in the world. There's plenty of things that would knock us off our balance, that would push us down in these days if we would let them. And so we're asking this morning for strength to stand firm. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just going to take a look at, at these verses. We're going to kind of just go through chronologically together. And so all of us, we are awaiting the return of the Lord, the day of the Lord. While we're awaiting the day of the Lord, you and I should really give thanks to the Lord. And so if you're taking notes, that's our first point. Uh, while we're awaiting the day of the Lord, give thanks. And we jump off in verse 13, and we see we ought always to give thanks to God. So he's basically said some hard stuff to the church right now about the end days and what's going to happen, You're going to, delusions, trouble, afflictions. He's saying, okay, but we owe it to God here to give thanks. And he gives us ample reasons. In fact, we could spend the whole message and then some on reasons to give thanks to God in the midst of these, these last days moments or in the midst of these uh, waiting on the day of the Lord. Give thank to, thanks to God because you are loved by Jesus Christ. Do you see that? We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord. You are You are loved by God, even in these hard days, when afflictions come your way. This isn't talking about the general love of God that he gives to everybody, like he created the world and made it beautiful. This week, you've been in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, enjoying what feels like spring weather. You've been out and about. I've seen you out there because I've been out and about. It's been an amazing experience seeing the sun rise and set on the, on the just and the unjust alike. That's not the kind of love he's talking about. He's not talking about the kind of love that God gives you in that, I don't know that last night you stopped and thanked him, but 18,000 times yesterday, your lungs worked in and out, in and out. And you breathed in good, beautiful air that gave you uh, the ability and oxygenated your blood so that you could keep going throughout the day. That's a lot of breathing, 
I don't know if you stopped and thank God for that. I did only because I was like adding up how many times would we actually breathe in a day. 18,000 times. That's a lot of breathing. That's the general kind of love that God has for all of us and for all of, of humankind. But that's not the kind of love that we're, we're celebrating here. We're giving thanks for the particular kind of love that God has for those who are in Christ Jesus. He has a special kind of love that is aimed at you. It's aimed at you where you are today. It's aimed at you in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and and you're beloved by God. Man, so many times... When, when affliction comes your way, we can begin to ask ourselves, where is God in my trouble? And he was writing to a church that was afflicted and whose afflictions were going to continue and get worse. He is not saying you are beloved by God and you can base that on the comfort and ease of your life. He's not saying that. You might go through affliction. You might be separated from loved ones because of the name of Jesus Christ. You might be facing death, imprisonment, and property seizure all day long because of the name of Jesus Christ. That's a future that is going to come for those who who stay faithful to the Lord. So don't be thinking in your heart, well, the comfort I get is the ease. It's not the ease. It's that in the midst of the unease, in the midst of the trouble, you stand firm in Christ Jesus and you sense and know that you are beloved in a special way by God himself. He sees you and knows you and loves you. There's nothing outside of his sovereignty that happens in your life. Guys, the special kind of love that you have in Christ Jesus is so rich and true. We should review it every morning. It's something that's going to help us to stand firm when the days get troubling, when the days get unsettling. Review the, the truth here. Give thanks for such a great salvation because you're loved by, by Christ Jesus. Not only are you loved by Christ Jesus, but you're chosen by the Father. Do you see that? Continuing down. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because... God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. The word first fruits there it means from the beginning. You are chosen from the beginning. The New Testament references this choosing of God multiple dozen times. References to the elect and the chosen are all through the New Testament, and it starts in the Old Testament when God, of all the people he could have chose to be the initial father of the people of Israel, he set his affections on Abram, and he chose Abram. He chose Jacob over Esau. And so before the foundation of the world, The Bible says he chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. God wrote our names in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. From the foundation of the world he chose the elect. Romans chapter 8 and verse 33 say say that uh, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And so while we face these kind of troubling, unsettling days, I mean, we're given thanks because not only does Jesus, we we experience the love of Jesus in a particular way, but from the foundation of the world before we were ever here, God chose those who are being saved. Now, Now, don't let that unsettle you. 
This is not saying that, that we cannot make an appeal to the lost. Anyone who is in Christ Jesus is in Christ Jesus because they have chosen God. They are choosing, and their choice is confirming, if you will, what God has done in choosing and making them elect. All right? So we're not saying God elects, everybody sit back and relax, we're along for the ride. We're saying God, because God's uh, election is so sure, we can go out and say with confidence to the people around us, keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. Let your eyes, let your heart know him. And so this election that God uh, has, it, it brings us security. That's why he brings it up here. They're insecure. They're, they're wobbled. They are off kilter and off balance. And that off balance nature has come because people are, are twisting the scripture and he's bringing security to them and saying, listen, this isn't something you did to, to get yourself in a place where you're in God's hand. God did it in eternity past and you're safe. Give thanks and enjoy the security that God's provided for you. Another reminder, another reason why you and I should be really encouraged and we should give thanks while we are faithfully awaiting the day of the Lord is that the work of God continues in your life right now. I mean, check, again, check out verse 13. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. God's still at work in your life. While there's trouble going on around you and in the world, God is at work in you. Sanctification is the progressive, that just means growing, the growing sense of holiness that every believer is striving for day after day if they are in Christ Jesus. So the last thing in the world we would ever want to do is say, listen, you believe God, you're in Christ, you can skate through the rest of your life, you can relax. Now there should be an internal sense of comfort that comes and peace that comes, that's true. But when, the Holy, when God is at work in your life, the Holy Spirit is ever challenging you and changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. It's something that, according to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, we need to pursue with all that we are. In fact, let me just read Philippians 2, 12. Because I think we're confused that we think, man, after I trust Christ, then it's really kind of up to me to really be a good person. And, and that's not what this is teaching us. It's teaching us, yes, we should pursue good works. We should be better, right? Day after day, we should be more holy, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's saying, you get busy working for God. And he is at work, in fact, he goes on in verse 13 in Philippians chapter 2, because it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we put our effort to becoming more like Christ. And so what we're, what we're teaching you is that we, we have thanks to the Lord in these troubling days, not because we can get better and better, but because the ministry of the Holy Spirit won't let me or you stay in this unsanctified state all through our life. 
Listen, if, if you aren't pursuing, if you aren't loving the word of God, if you aren't pursuing holiness, right, you need to address that in your life because the Bible says that all who love God, all who are in him, that the Holy Spirit is working in your life today, it's a reason you can give thanks when everything around you is uncertain. Give thanks because the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, making you day after day more like Jesus. That's not lifting you up. That's lifting the Holy Spirit up and his ministry to glorify Christ. Well, there's a lot of reasons to give thanks. While the whole world is unsettled around us, and while people cry out all around us, the end is near. And, and yeah, the end is near, but listen, there's a lot of reasons to give thanks. There's more reasons to give thanks. He's not done yet. He wants to really keep underscoring all, these, uh, uh, all the ways that we should have, uh, all the reasons we have to stand firm. Verse 14. To this place in Christ, he called you. So God called you through our gospel. That calling is an effectual calling. And that just means this. Gary covered this a couple weeks ago, so we're not going to spend much time on it. It means when God calls you to belong to him, you will respond. You say, well, can I, can I resist that? Uh, well, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 30 says, Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So it really says that if God's going to call you, you're going to come. It's as if I'm your Lazarus and Jesus is outside this tomb and saying, Lazarus, come forth. What did Lazarus bring to that party? Uh, Dead body. The power, the calling of Lazarus was from the word and the mouth of Jesus Christ. He called and he justified. And so it's beautiful to, to, to see this. And guys, this, this is to take any, uh, take any effort that I would add to this and make it be about me. It's to take away that tendency to pride in me. The glory is all for God when he brings a people. In fact, that's the next point. Another reason we should give thanks is because you're going to be glorified forever. And that is for the name of God, not for your name. So take a look then again at verse 14. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of Christ Jesus. There's a reason to give thanks. First of all, that Christ will be glorified by the people that he redeems. From the Old Testament, from Adam, all the way forward into the church, Christ will be glorified by all who trust him. And you will be glorified in that you will be with him forever and ever. So your future is not one of unsettledness. It's not one of trying to work it out in this world. And if you have enough strength within you, you'll be okay. No, it's based on the work that Christ did. He's going to hold you through this. And the glorification that is to come is promised. It's as good as done for those trusting Christ. And so I want to just tie this all up. First of all, you see the Trinity in this, and we should be thankful for the work and power of the Trinity. Jesus loves you in a particular way. He died on the cross for your sins. 
He rose again so that he could transfer his perfect righteousness to you. He can take your sin on him. Jesus loves you. God the Father chose you and called you. You see that in this passage? That, that in the midst of these days that are unsettling and troubling, that in eternity past, God called you. And so this work isn't this just in-the-moment kind of thing. It's forever kind of thing. Jesus loved you. God called you. And look what the Holy Spirit, right now in your life, the Holy Spirit is making you more and more like Jesus every day. This is a ministry you should see every day as you wake up. You're in the Word. You're asking the Lord to change you. You are getting what the, what the world wants, a total transformation of your life as you set your heart in heaven, and he changes you day by day. And that's not all. The future, forever. He chose you in eternity past. And your eternity future, you'll be glorified with Jesus Christ if you are in Christ. You talk about reason to give thanks. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, eternally at work before you, behind you, in front of you, and in, in the past, And he set his affection in a unique and profound way on you. And I do not know what troubles you. I really don't. I don't know where you are unstable in your life. I've been unstable on my feet a lot. And I've had the, 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 uh, gone out on a fishing charter you know, I'm seeing the, the first mate guy up there, and he kind of gets himself going up there, and the boat is hitting the waves, and he knows how to keep his balance. And this passage is saying, look, stand firm. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Don't open up books written by teachers and have that having, you know, uh, opinions about what's going to happen and when. If they start dating, if they start naming dates and names and, and particular countries and what's going to happen, you can just close the book and put it back in the fiction section, okay? What we know to be true is that no man knows the time or the hour, and we know that God will be faithful to his elect, even if you and I have to go through hardness even if you and I have to go through persecution, even if you like you and I, like Daniel's parents, have to go through a separation of family, even if you and I, like Job's family, have to be separated from, from uh, property, if, if stuff goes away, if we have to go through the hardest days in the world, we know this, that the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is doing a work in us. From eternity past to eternity future, you're going to be just fine as you trust Christ. So, while faithfully awaiting the day of the Lord, we give thanks. But number two, we also, we also stand firm. That's really the heart of this whole passage. That's why we've been saying it so frequently. It's the one directive or the command of this passage. It's saying, look, of all the other things, you can stand firm in what you know to be true. And I would just say this, stand firm in the word of God. Stand firm on God's word. Verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the excuse me, and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, the apostles, either by our spoken word or our letter. Now, the word traditions gets a bad rap sometimes. 
In this case, it's not saying hold to our human traditions because we're, we're making up new rules as we go. It's not saying that. Really, the tr- word traditions is that the stuff that we handed down to you. And what they handed down to the church at Thessalonica was the word of God. Keep in mind that in AD 50 and 51, when this was written, the New Testament wasn't even done yet. They were going to be writing the New Testament for 40 more years at this point. So they didn't have a complete canon or the word of God to hand them and say, now now this is the testimony. So at this point, there was some verbal traditions and some letters. It says there this other letter, and that's talking about 1 Thessalonians. This is obviously 2 Thessalonians. The, The letter, the first letter they wrote to the church at Thessalonica, Paul is saying, that's scripture. Hold on to that. That's inspired from the Lord for you. Okay? And so really what we can get to is, is what we have today from Paul is uh, the, the closed canon, and we have the New Testament that is uh, 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 for us and now written and a part of the, the scriptures. And, and everything that he was implying there in terms of the apostles' teaching is included in the revealed word of God. So here's what, what you and I can take from this. Hold on tightly to the word of God as your source for what's to come, as your source for security. Don't deviate from that. Listen, I can't tell you what's going to happen in your world when your kids come to you, when your friends and neighbors come to you and say, well, why did, why did bad things happen to good people? And you say, I will stand firm on the scriptures. I don't have all the answers. I have some answers. I don't have all the answers. This is what the scriptures say. When people come to you and say, well, what's going on with all this trouble in the world today? Look at the election options we have in this next cycle. Are you kidding me? You say, well, I don't know what's going on exactly. But this I know, the scriptures teach us and lead us. I mean, when your kids come to you or your grandkids, are they getting a lot of complaining about the political season right now? Are they getting a lot of doubts about what's going on? Are they hearing that, well, the kids these years kinds of things from you? Because uh, standing firm means that you and I as grandparents or parents, that what our kids are getting from this is, no matter what comes, I trust the word of God. Well, what, would, what would happen if my kids got that more often? What would happen if they heard me say, I'm, I'm not afraid of what's to come. I know there's some maybe troubling days to come, and I'm not sure how the end will come for me. I don't know if they'll take property. I don't know if they'll separate family. I don't know if I'll be afflicted in some way. But this I know, that in eternity past, God chose me. And I'm so humbled by that. It's not about me. That in this day, he has made his calling evident to me by the preaching of the gospel. That in this day, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit at work in my life, making me ever more holy, not because I'm, I'm good enough or because I'm doing it enough, but because the Holy Spirit is so strong and powerful and the Holy Spirit is glorifying Jesus Christ. And this I know, no matter how the end comes for me, my, my future is set and secure because I will obtain the glory of Jesus Christ that he intends for every believer to have. And those are the kinds of things that your friends and neighbors should be hearing coming out of your mouth. Those are the kinds of things that my friends and neighbors should be hearing coming out of my mouth. Stand firm.
people around you will be so enlightened, so heartened, so encouraged by seeing you stand faithfully on the word of God. And before we go to how encouraged they're going to be, can I just say, let's, let's just talk about that for a minute. If you, it, messages are coming into my life a thousand miles an hour. Yesterday, uh, driving down the street, the billboards that I see. If you're online at all, if you watch TV, the messages that are coming and bombarding you and me a thousand miles a minute. And let me ask you, do you spend as much time in the Word? Because that's what we really need. He's saying, he's saying here, stand on the truth of God's Word because there are so many falsities out there. Don't let those false messages come into your life and and lead you into a life of apathy, and in that life of apathy, now I am knocked off my balance, and I'm starting to get worried, and I'm starting to get fearful about the world around me, because listen, I'm not in the Word. If we are going to be strengthened and heartened by the truth about God, The only way we can do it is let the Holy Spirit teach us what the Bible says. And that means you're in the Word. You're reading the Word. It's open before you, and you read it more than just Sunday morning. It's great to read it on Sunday morning. I'm not knocking that. But you're reading it through your week. You're meditating on various passages like 2 Thessalonians that teach you about the last days. Sometimes... Because of a particular fear in your own heart, you're memorizing the word of God. And you're reminding yourself, maybe 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. Maybe that's a passage or a verse of scripture that is meaningful to you because it helps You train your mind on what you should have your mind fixed on in the last days or to combat this knocked-off balance kind of thinking. And so you're reading it and you're meditating on it and you're memorizing it for the good of your own soul. Stand firm. Now, you get back to how important it is to stand firm. Look back in uh, Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians, chapter three. In First Thessalonians, this was again Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he's saying he's saying it's so important to me that you as believers stand firm. You'll never know the impact that what it looks like for you yourself you, to stand firm in a in a, in a uh, posture of of the army or a posture of military faithfulness that you will not give ground and you will not retreat. And to think about how that encourages the people around you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8, Paul, this is the second time he's written to them about how important it is to stand firm. For now, we, the apostles, the people who brought you the gospel, the people who brought you the hope of Jesus Christ, for now, we, the apostles, we really live. Because you stand firm. 
You see the impact it had on, on their leaders? Their leaders freed and encouraged. Could I, could I turn that around? I'm not sure that I can do this, but I'm just going to, this is the, uh, th- these are the notes in the, in the column, okay? But what if Paul would have written the opposite because they weren't standing firm? For now, our life is not all that it could be because your conviction is so weak. I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. I'm trying to show you how important it is for your children and your grandchildren to see that in this election cycle, in this crazy world we live in, with all these people crying out about what's happening in the world, that you set your feet in place, you hold the word of God at your heart, you memorize it and live it out, and when people bring the complaints, and when people bring the doubts, and when people bring the afflictions, you have the word of God memorized, and I want you to know how the heart of your 15-year-old daughter is going to be encouraged by a dad who is not constantly talking about how bad the world is. I want you to feel in your heart how encouraging your girlfriend across town is going to be when you meet her for coffee and the things on your lips are about the sufficiency of Scripture and how God is faithful to call you to himself and that you are reviewing the gospel to your friends, which is really what verses 13 and 14 are all about, and you're standing firm. Stand firm, my friends. Stand firm right where you're at, in the gospel, on the truth of scripture, not doubting, not wanting, will the end be hard? It could be. Might you be separated from things that you have grown to love in this world? You might be. Might unspeakable atrocities happen to Christians? It already is around the world. My Christian brothers, your Christian brothers are being put to death all day long for their faith in Jesus Christ. Stand firm. Stand firm when your kid comes with questions. Stand firm when it wasn't what you thought it would be. Stand firm when your expectations are dashed. Stand firm when everything you see in this world looks ugly. Stand firm because the end is going to look just like God said it would. Jesus Christ will return. He will return in the flesh. He will return visibly. He will return in an obvious way. He will make himself known and his glory will be fulfilled as he calls the church and he calls those who know him to eternal glory. You will obtain glory. Well, lastly, while faithfully awaiting the day of the Lord, we take comfort. Take comfort. Now, this is not, I want you to know, this is not a command. This is a prayer. So the apostle is now praying for the the church, saying, okay, Lord, as we experience this stuff, he's coming along them pastorally and saying, okay, okay, now I've told you to stand firm, but I want you while you're standing firm to receive comfort that can come from the Lord. Verse, uh, again, now 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Sorry, I've got to turn back there. Uh, Verses 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. A couple things I want to notice about that before we make our final points. Number one, 
Look how he started with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that Paul is even training and teaching the church at Thessalonica? Not only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, will that ministry to you be amazing? But I'm telling you, whether we start with God the Father in in his fullness, or we start with God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, they're equal. And in this case, I'm just going to start with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did I tell you up in verse 13 that the love was from Jesus, here in in the end here in verse 16, I'm telling you the love is from God the Father. God loves you. God loves you. You aren't going anything you're going through today because God's condemning you. Romans 8.1 says, even though we may have hard times to come, that for those who are in Christ Jesus, you will not be condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we take comfort from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You see his life? You see he was born into a family that was all blown apart? He was adopted by his father but maligned by rumor his entire life? See that his brothers throughout his whole life from the time he was born to the time he died rejected him and his claim to be God? You've got broken relationships in your family. You've got things that just have not turned out the way you wanted them to be. You're in a situation where uh, some relationship is distant. Jesus can comfort you because he's been there. Been in a position where, in, in, as we have a Holy Week coming our way, where the passion of Christ, where he faced the cross, so deeply was he moved in his heart that he bled while he prayed that the cup would be passed from him. So you say, well, there's these crazy days to come. They're going to be really hard. Yeah. Be comforted by Jesus. He went through crazy days. Would rather that the cup would have passed from him, but he went to the cross despising its shame for the glory of God the Father for you. Take comfort. Whatever you face, however hard it seems to be, Christ has been there first. Take comfort from the person of Jesus who sees exactly what you're going through and he provides the comfort as you receive it, as you give yourself over to the word. Give yourself over to what God is doing in your life. Hey, a couple of um, tendencies. I've got this tendency Um, to stop working because I'm so troubled in my heart. So these days are ugly, and I'm not sure that that what's going to come of them. And we could even go back and and give you the example we're going to look at in in the next couple of chapters. These people quit their jobs. They literally stopped working their jobs because they thought, well, the end is here. The end is here. So the teachers taught us that. Okay, I'm going to trust that the end is actually here. They actually lost heart that much. But if we're not careful... We'll think in our Christian conviction, it's so bad. What difference does it make what I do? The world is so out of control and so chaotic, it just, I'm going to just, I'm going to throw in the towel. Because my little part of, of proclaiming Christ and making him known with good works is just not getting, it's not going to matter one way or the other. Can I tell you, this passage is for you. When he says, okay, take comfort, verses 16 and 17, and look at at verse 17, comfort your hearts and establish them in what? Every good work 
Don't lose heart. Your good work must continue in these dark last days. You must continue to love your neighbor as yourself. You must continue to sacrifice and give. What you're doing in this moment is not some chaotic, some meaninglessness. It is the absolute way that God is going to continue to build his kingdom day by day until Jesus actually returns. It is the most important thing in the world that you are comforted, that you stand your ground and are comforted and keep your eyes fixed on the task that God has called you to love your neighbor as yourself and care for the people around you and your life is established with every good work. But not just that. Last word in the verse. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Speak of Jesus. It's embarrassing to speak of Jesus sometimes. You don't know what they're going to think. You don't know if they're perfectly happy with their current religion. You don't know if they think you're some kind of weird, like full of yourself, sort of a religious zealot who's, who's closed-minded. This, this passage says more and more as the days get dark like that, don't let the culture tell you what to say. Let your mouth be full of the of the testifying about the person and work of Jesus Christ day by day. It's the best thing you can, don't lose heart in that. Don't let the opinion of the day sway you. Don't get swept away in this this tide pushing you back. Stand firm and speak of the person and work of Christ Jesus. It is so crucial, guys, that our mouth is full of his praises, especially as we see the day of Christ coming. The day of the Lord's coming. It's not here yet. It's going to be marked by apostasy. It's going to be marked by this worldwide leader. And even when we see things like that, this passage exists for you and me to say, look, number one, have confidence in God. Your salvation started in eternity past and it extends to eternity future. Don't worry about how you're going to die in this world. Don't worry about what you lose in this world. Live. Live for God. And while you live for God, Let your work and your words build his kingdom day by day. My friends, if we together can can stand firm like that, and when our kids come to us and when our neighbors come to us, we're not just complaining about all the bad things that are happening, but we're saying, look, we're good. We know stuff like this is going to happen. We're not deceived into thinking that the the end has now rendered our lives meaningless. Even if we exist to the end, and literally Christ comes and returns, which we're all praying that he would soon, even if that's the case, up until that last moment, it is crucial that your work and your word glorify your Savior, Jesus Christ. So work as if it all depends on you, realizing this, it all depends on him. It all depends on him. Let's stand together and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Lord, we have covered a lot of ground today, and uh, I pray for the, the heart of somebody who maybe was, was newer to the church today, who said, well, these guys are in a heavy, a heavy study right now. The reality is our hearts are so light, lightened by your goodness and grace to us today, that though there are hardnesses and afflictions, 
And though the days appear to be darkening, Lord, help your faithful saints to not focus on the days we live in, in terms of what's going to happen next, but more importantly, to focus on the Savior who loves us and with you, what's going to happen next. And help us be faithful. That our works would not be paralyzed because we think the end is so near and we give up. That our words would not be silenced because we think the end is so near and we give up on talking about how great you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we pray for help. Lord, I pray for the one in here today who came in here discouraged. This passage was all about standing firm and taking comfort. That we would be comforted by the work of Jesus Christ and the special love that he has for his saints. You love us so much. And we go from this place humbled, realizing that it's all about you. Realizing that, that uh, even these last days, your name will be lifted up and glorified and every eye will see Jesus Christ and every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.